episode of the Kamsar. Yeah, I'm out with the dog, it's windy. In between heavy, heavy downpours today. So hopefully I'll stay dry, but I've got a busy heat. Busy, busy heat, and I kind of want to get my thoughts out. It's the kind of busy heat that makes me think, ah, maybe a wee joint, or some codeine, or some tramadol, or a pint. And the reason I'm thinking in those terms is because I've been reading articles about autism and addiction and alcoholism and ADHD and stimming and just, oh, it's overwhelming. What happened was I put out a post on Dear John or Ask John. John Roderick does a podcast. He's one of my favourite philosophers and uh, just people in general. He's been on many, many podcasts over the years that have helped me. He has discussions with Merlin Mann on Roderick on the Line. He used to have discussions with Dan Benjamin on Roadwork. And he's now doing a Patreon thing where you sign up, pay a fiver a month, and you get access to his his Patreon and his discourse chat where you can go in and chat to other people who like his content and also send him in letters as he calls them so I sent him a letter because in his most recent episode of Roderick on the Line he alluded to some of his pathologies mental health issues particularly ADHD and bipolar he's also in recovery from alcoholism he went through AA same as me so there's a lot there that makes them relatable. But and the way that he spoke about it this week inspired me to write in a question. Because what he was talking about was how the pathologies that he has, up until now he's always seen them as things that hold him back or things that have got in the way of his being successful. So I can relate to that. But then he went on to talk about how maybe, just maybe, he could look at these things as positive things that have led to his being the person that he is. And that's something I've been thinking about myself recently. I mean, given the fact that I'm ex-military... And what used to happen when I'm, I say used to happen, what has happened a few times is that I've gone to reunions and I've met some of my former army colleagues who went on to have careers in the military and I didn't because I fell off a cliff before I'd even got out of training. And I had at that time enough of an inkling about the job that I was going to be doing which was intelligence work to be excited about it and then when I got out of the training camp and my colleagues all went off to to Loughborough to train for the actual trade that they would be doing which they couldn't train for at the Apprentices College in Harrogate because it wasn't a secure enough uh, unit So they all went off to Loughborough, I went off to hospital for more treatments, 
pending discharge. So the military were taking care of me by, you know, giving me the treatments and the surgeries, etc., of which there were many. And then my pals all went off to Loughborough to do their trade training, and I actually went to visit them while they were there. So, I mean, I got access to the camp, just to the, the Naffy bar, basically, and then we went out on the piss, as squaddies tend to do. I don't really remember that much about it, but, you know, I would have been, what, 18 at the time? So, you know, a lot of time has passed. But now, I mean, recently I went to see a, an old friend of mine that I had gone through the two years of army training with at Harrogate, and he's just come out as a warrant officer, and I got to meet some of the people that he's shared his career with, you know, at different places in the world, and I've no idea what he did, because he's never going to tell me that, because it's intelligence work. But there was always a feeling of, oh God, the regret, you know, the bitterness, the, the what ifs, the, you know, I could have been a contender, all of that stuff, but I've made peace with that and I've moved along to the place of gratitude where, you know, I've got a family, that's the biggest thing ever, I'm in a very good relationship, long term relationship with my wife it's the best thing I ever did I've got a postgraduate degree for whatever that's worth sure I'm struggling now but I'm sober I've been sober since 2005 imagine what the potential for finding sobriety would have been when training in theatres of conflict because I mean I know a lot of the guys are I went through training with, I've, I've spent time in Iraq and Afghanistan and Bosnia and you know, all these fun places, which, you know, part of me really wishes I had gone to because that part of me will always be there. That part of me that wants to serve, that wants to, to do something meaningful, that will never go away. And that, I think that's the source of the bitterness, but... You know, on the other hand, I, I, I could be dead. So, yeah, I've managed to move away from that. So that's where John's talking about looking at his pathologies as positive things that have led him to where he is now. I think for me, that comes from recognising the fact that I'm here, I'm sober, I'm married, I'm, I've got a lot going for me. You know, it helps me to, to look at my regret and turn it around into into gratitude. But the pathologies are still there. And when I sent in my letter to John, what I wanted to ask him was, I know that he's had diagnosis for his bipolar and for his ADHD. And I'm not speaking out of school here because he, he puts this stuff out on... Roderick on the line, he talks about it publicly so it's all good now, what I wanted to know was did did a diagnosis help him? does he think that it would have been detrimental to him had he not sought a diagnosis and the reason that I want to know that is because 
I'm wondering about myself. You know, is it going to be useful to be diagnosed with autism rather than just being convinced that I have it without a clinical diagnosis? And up until this week, I would have said, diagnosis doesn't matter, I don't care. It's not going to change anything. And, you know, I still believe that to a large extent. But I'm also curious about what the benefits might be. Is there a psychological benefit there where I'm thinking it doesn't matter, but in actual fact a diagnosis might bring me some relief? I don't know. It is a bit windy, so I do apologise if microphone's picking up on as I wind. So, I don't know. I'm curious to hear what John has to say, but what happened was I got a, a DM from someone in the discourse who is autistic and who shared a few links about connections between autism and addiction and alcoholism and ADHD and uh, I've just read the article it's an article from the Atlantic I think 2017 uh, I can't remember any of the details about who wrote it or what when it was published I'll put a link in the show notes if I remember you can follow it up because it's absolutely mind-blowing. It contains a lot of links to other other articles, including one that linked out to a guy who'd written a book about his life. It was basically a connection between addiction and autism, particularly alcoholism. And I was like, whoa. Because... You know what, I've thought about doing that myself, about writing a book about my own life and how I see the connections between these things. So it's a book I'm keen to read. I'm just, I'm thinking out loud now as I'm walking the dog and I'm thinking, how helpful would it be to research this? Would... Would having answers, would having confirmation that there is a link between. I mean, I know this, I know it to be true. I don't know that I need to research it and f- find other people who've. I don't know. I think I would be better placed putting my time into what I'm doing now, which is finding ways of dealing with it finding ways of not letting it hold me back but the one thing that has cropped up is the bipolar and the medication thing because John Roderick does have medication for his bipolar and I think that there's a good chance that it's bipolar that's that's holding me back because I go through these phases of, you know, hyperactivity. Let's take, for example, my Serenity channel on YouTube, where I'm going up the hill of beans and I'm filming every day. This is what happened in May. I was filming every day and it seemed like the most important thing in the world and I was on top of it and I was publishing and no one was watching, but that didn't matter. I was doing the thing that I had decided I was going to do but I've stopped it now seems like a big heavy lift 
take my camera up a hill and leave it running while I walk <laughs> you know or right in the spot where I am now as I'm walking around the field of dreams you can maybe even hear the running water there's a wee bit just further on from where I'm standing now where there's access to the burn where I could set up a camera on a tripod and a microphone and leave it running and get some nice ambient content of a part of Aaron that I'm sure has never been filmed before and put it out and I get fired up when I see other people doing content like that and I think, oh, this guy's putting out the sound of rain for five hours and he's got 100,000 views why am I not doing that? I don't know and there are times when it seems like the easiest thing in the world like when I bought a clamp because I went out to record the rain and I couldn't figure out a way of attaching the umbrella to my tripod so I went online and I found a small rig clamp that does the job perfectly it was like 35 quid and we couldn't afford it and I was like well I'm going to buy it because it's going to get me out there making content do you know how many times I've used it to film rain coming down none it's like well why would I want to go out in the rain and film that's what my head's telling me now so I think that's the bipolar thing and that crops up in all kinds of areas of my life where I go through spells of putting out content prolifically and then just stopping and then it's, it swings and roundabouts it keeps coming and then it keeps going same with my guitar, my music my, my love of music is probably the thing that has sustained me the most since I picked up the guitar when I was in recovery from this accident that I spoke of when I was in the military and I played guitar and it was it was a kind of feeling where whether or not my day was a good day was determined by how many distractions had got in the way of playing guitar <laughs> so it was like if I, if I had a whole day of playing that was a good day if I had stuff getting in the way that was a crap day and I was I was doing it, I was learning very quickly. I am quite musically talented, but I was putting in the woodshed in hours as well. And it was paying off, I was starting to to become noticed. I built a guitar forum back in the days before social media. That got some traction. I was I was visiting different places. I even went for lessons with one of my, my heroes, El McMean visited his house in New Jersey and spent the weekend at his house and had guitar lessons from him it was like it was it was an amazing time it was right about the time when I got sober for the first time and that's when my musical progression was was at its fastest and now it's like you know, I'll go through a, a f- maybe one or two week period of of being excited about it, but then it, it goes away. And I used to beat myself up for that because I know I know in my heart of hearts that music is is everything to me, and I could see myself not progressing, and I would I would get angry at myself for that and wonder what was going on. 
that's the kind of area in my life where a diagnosis might help, where medication might help. So, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a quandary. I think what I'll do is I'll make an appointment with my GP and I'll see what the the outlook is for a, a diagnosis with the NHS because I'm not in a position to be able to afford to pay for a diagnosis. I even found a site that was linked from the book I spoke about there. The guy had written about addiction and alcoholism and autism. It was co-written with someone called Jess Hendricks with an X at the end of her name. And I looked her up. I looked the guy up and then I looked her up. They're both part of a I don't know, is it, is it a non-profit? It might, well, it can't be a non-profit because they're charging 750 quid for a non-clinical diagnosis. And I'm like, mm, what, what good is that? I've already got a non-clinical diagnosis in my own head. You know what I mean? Uh, but it does talk a bit there about how there's a two-year waiting list for the NHS. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe that's an England thing. I don't know. But I, I think it's worthwhile at least making an appointment with my GP. Maybe seeing if I can get a referral to a, a clinical psychologist or something like that. And just seeing where it takes me, because, I don't know, I'm at a, a stage of my life where I'm getting frustrated at my failures. At the fact that we're so skinned and we're really we're getting into difficult territory right now. Because of, mainly because of our daughters being at Conservatoire in London. And of course we're going to do everything we can to support that. But she's just finished her first year of four. And we've already had to take out a chunk of savings. And that's not going to last for much longer. And we've had all kinds of other bills coming in. Including one from the fuckers in London because we paid the wrong people when we went down in August, was it? July? Can't remember. For the ULES, because we got stung the last time we went down a year ago, we ended up with three penalty notices of, I think it was 70 quid each, because we didn't know any better, so this time I made sure we're going to pay that ULES before we get there, so I did. It turns out I got scammed and paid a fishing site and I didn't pay London. And they sent us a penalty notice and we've appealed it and they're like, nope, you fucked up, you was the money, cough up. And I'm like, oh, it makes me so angry when our overdraft is through the roof and we did the right thing and we paid the bill and we got scammed and, Jesus Christ. If they would only have just allowed us to just pay what we should have paid which was what £12.50 or something but no they're, they're giving us a penalty despite appealing it twice so I just have to accept that I think but yeah it's like frustration at my failures frustration at how none of my ideas have led to any form of income Never mind sustainable income that is enough to support the family. I don't know, is a diagnosis going to help with any of that? Is medication what I need to get me to get through the troughs? 
of being creative and productive, etc. I don't know. At least I've got my pages thing going. That's one of the best things that I do. So I sit down every morning and write out my morning pages in fountain pen, which is a joy, and then publish them. And as I explore my thoughts that way, I think it's a really, really positive thing every day. And I share it because... I don't know, that helps me in some weird way which is why I'm going to be sharing this conversation as well it's not a conversation, it's a monologue that's why I'm going to be sharing it that's why I'm recording it because that's how I figure things out in this crazy, crazy world so yeah, I think that'll do I'm going to post some links in the description part of this On the, in fact, I'll probably go out in Substack where my morning pages goes. so you already know I'm a morning pages guy because if you're getting this then chances are you know but no it'll go out on Spotify as well won't it I'm still getting my head around how Substack works as a podcast platform thankfully it's free so I've saved a few quid there because I was paying I went with Transistor.fm for a while uh, that didn't I can't afford to be paying hosting fees for something that isn't bringing anything in at the moment I can't afford to be paying for much at the moment so we're cutting back I've dialed back on a lot of Substack subscriptions that I was paying for but that's part of my campaign as well to dial back on a lot of the culture war content that wasn't really serving me so I've gained a big chunk of time there by not having to listen to every episode that goes out on trigonometry or public or the free press so that's a good thing isn't it but that'll be me so if you've got in and out of this if you've got any feedback I'd, I'd appreciate it human connection's important to me I'm learning that as I get older that's a big part of what's missing I mean I've got plenty of that going on in other areas of my life but I'm not actually I'm doing alright with human connection I'm getting myself out I wrote about this today actually in my pages about how I've got I've got things that that I use to help me step out the front door and I talked about the lyrics that I wrote in a song when a friend of mine died in 2017 was it? a friend of mine who was a couple of years younger than me that I grew up with in skateboard era and he died and I saw him as as an example of of living fearlessly, you know. And that's kind of what came up in my lyrics. So the, the song went, "We should love a little, live a little harder, love a little more, fear a little less, to step out the front door." Shaba. That was my song. So I'm finding ways of stepping out of the front door with my Freemasonry and, well, that's the main one. I did mention gigs because I used to play a lot around Aaron and that got me out the front door. It got me facing my anxiety right in the face and then walking past it. So... Yeah, I've got some stuff 
But the anxiety is always there. Maybe medication would help with that. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to switch this off now. So thanks for listening this far. If you have, I'll speak to you again soon. Bye.